0: I'm going to preach a little bit on uh, Deuteronomy 28 and then over to uh, Galatians 3.13. Now, this is not new for us here in this church and ministry, but there's a little something about it I just want to share tonight. It's going to be very bold. Might be something you have to chew on for a day or two to really get it. But, you know, I, if you know my ministry, you know that I will only build you up, never tear you down. I don't tell you how awful you are and what you should be. I'm trying to tell you who you are in Christ right now. Amen. And, uh, oh, we could just go on and on about what we should be. How do we get there <laughs> to what we should be? And if we're in Christ, according to the word, we're everything that God's made us to be. Amen. That doesn't that doesn't on the extreme. If you want to go to the extreme, that doesn't give us an excuse to just be awful <laughs> live awful and talk awful and be awful, uh, and just live in sin, you know, because there's grace. That's, a, in fact, Paul said, should we sin all the more that grace would abound even more? He said, what did he say about that? God forbid. Amen. So, uh, that's not the idea. And I think Paul worried or had not worried, but had a concern that uh, that might be the idea. So he said that he was went ahead and said it. Maybe what some people were thinking. He just read their mail. Amen. How many believe he might have been a little prophetic and known what people were thinking. And so he, he, uh, he said that. And, uh, so there's the extreme. And you know, when you preach grace and righteousness and finished work, somebody always brings up the extreme. Well, we don't need to, to, to function or participate in extremes. But we do need to uh we do need to understand the uh, the blessing of what God's done for us. Amen. And we need to live daily in the finished work of Christ. Folks, He has done a great thing for us. He has redeemed us. He has delivered us. But I want to show you something about this Deuteronomy twenty eight. Um, you, you know, I'm sure you've read this before the first part, the first 15 verses or so are the blessing. Then the rest of the chapter are the curses. And, um, I kind of got this idea because there was a preacher, uh, I won't say who and where, but he was preaching on this recently and he was telling everybody, well, here's the curse. And if you don't praise the Lord enough and you don't have joy and rejoice, you know, you're going to get the curse. But um, I, I told my friend who sent me this information, I said, well, that's either ignorance or dishonesty. Because you're either ignorant of the Bible and what it really says, or you're dishonest and trying to control people through fear. Uh, religion attempts to control, and it controls with fear because of fear. Uh, they're afraid people aren't going to come. They're not going to give. They're not going to pray. They're not going to live right. So we scare them to death. And uh, I grew up with some of that scare them to death preaching, and uh, it it affected me. I think it affected me as a child. I, mean, I was scared to death. I was going to miss the rapture and uh, have to deny, uh, you know, be, 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 uh, Challenged with denying Christ, and if I did, if I didn't, uh, and stayed with it, then my head was going to be cut off in a guillotine. I mean, I'm telling you, when you know, that's terrifying to an eight-year-old child. And uh, I'm not sure that it really protected me from, you know, doing something wrong or whatever. I had problems growing up like anybody else, but uh, it's certainly not faith. Amen. The Bible says, "Whatsoever is not of faith is sin." Are you with me? So we don't want any condemnation. Glory. This is the the no condemnation zone. The Bible doesn't say condemnation brings people's hearts to God. It says uh, that the goodness of God brings men's hearts to repentance. Amen. So the more we preach the goodness of God, the more people are going to want to repent and want to repair and want to get with the program. That's what I believe. And I believe that because that's what the Bible says. All right, let's go through some of this. Are you there? Deuteronomy 28. It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently under the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Now, do you realize that this is written This is not written to the church. I hope you know that. There was no church at the time this was written. This is written to the children of Israel. This is written to the Jews. And it's about Moses' law. And it's wonderful, the blessing. It says, all these blessings, shall you shall have to chase them down and see if you can find one. Is that what it says? No, all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And then he goes on about blessed you shall be in the city and blessed you shall be in the field. In other words, you're blessed if you live in town or you're blessed if you live in the country. You're blessed the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy ground, the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be the basket in thy store. On and on and on, all these blessings. Verse uh Eight says, the Lord shall command the blessing upon all your storehouses. That would be, for us today, that would be our savings accounts and our places, you know, CDs or wherever we have a little money stuck away. That would be, the Lord commands the blessing on that. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I guess if you're in, a, if you are a farmer, I'm sure we have any here, but if you are a farmer, everything that would be in your barns and your storage places would be blessed. Amen. Not overtaken by rats or something. Okay. So uh, it says, um, bur- finally, verse 10, all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. They shall be afraid of you. The Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. You'll have plenty. Amen. To the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy cattle, the fruit of thy ground, and the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Uh, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. Wow. We get into God's stuff. God's box. Amen. The heaven to give the rain. Unto the land and the season to the bless the, all the work of thine hand and thou shalt lend unto nations and you not have to borrow. Isn't that beautiful? Wouldn't that be great to be the lender and not the lendee? Amen. The lender collects the interest. He doesn't have to pay it. Praise God. It's better, isn't it? Well, you know, it, the Lord shall make thee the head, not the tail. Now how many are familiar with these scriptures? I'm sure many of you watching on the internet tonight are familiar with this, you've been preached this, we've sung this, we've claimed it, Abraham's blessings are mine. And they are. The Bible tells us they belong to us. But did you know that this commandment to keep these, these the, the, the commandment to keep the commandments, to get the blessing, uh, A, it's old covenant, which has been done away with according to the scripture. B, it was never written to the church anyway. It was written to the Jews, to the children of Israel. And so they, he says in uh, verse 15, if you don't do this, you get all these curses. We're, we've gone through these before. I'm not going to go through every verse here. But you know, it finally says, if you look at talking about sickness and disease, look at verse like 60. no. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. 61, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. So that would be, there's a lot of sicknesses listed here and illness and plagues and disaster. (laughs) But even if there's something that, that a person would have that's not listed here, don't you think verse 61 takes care of it? It says every, everything. So here's the problem. The children of Israel found nobody could keep this. Even Paul said concerning the, remember in Philippians, Paul said concerning the righteousness that's in the law, I was blameless, yet I was the chief of sinners. That's not the same verse, but you know, he did say that. Remember what he said in Romans 7, O wretched man that I am. You know, the things I want to do right, I don't. The things I hate, that's what I end up doing. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? He said, I thank my God, Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted you to turn now. You know, we've gone through that before in just a straight teaching on this about You know, you need to take a rubber stamp and stamp, you know, imaginary if you want to. I I don't I haven't literally done this. I should a rubber stamp over every verse of the curse and write redeemed, 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 redeemed. Because since this was written, something else happened. How many know what happened? Jesus went to the cross, paid the price to redeem us from this curse with the blessing left intact. But I'm going to show you something that's a little shocking, all right? How many want to be shocked, but in a good way? I don't know, I'm just riled up tonight. Be careful, don't mess with me, I'll just go over the edge. All right, Galatians 3, 13. Now, it's interesting, it's interesting that Deuteronomy, the first 15 verses of, of chapter 28 says, if you keep the law and do it all perfect in every way, hold your jaw just right, you know, that you get all these blessings. But look at verse, chapter 3, verse 11 of Galatians. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Wow. So that means nobody can get the blessing that way. Now the reason he wrote this, now look back at Galatians 3, 1, and look at those words. Oh foolish Galatians. Wow. That's not very seeker sensitive, is it? Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Well, he's, and it says verse 3, are you so foolish Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Now, here's what was happening. These Galatian people are Mediterranean people, kind of like Greeks, okay? And they don't, they've never even heard of Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, nothing. And the evangelism took place with Paul's folks in the early church, amen? They went everywhere preaching the gospel, the Bible says that. In Mark sixteen fifteen through 20, it says they went everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall not call on the name of the Lord is damned. I don't know about you, but I don't think that's a very good thing. To be called damned by the Lord. <laughs> well, that goes over big today because everybody's supposed to be just just tiptoeing through the tulips with tiny Tim. You get anything out of this? Well, so now we got a situation. Paul's Paul and his group's gone through there. He's got a bunch of people saved and some churches established. Well, some of these Jews that are just sure you gotta keep Moses' law, try to earn your salvation, they get in there, they're called Judaizers, and they're trying to Judaize these Gentile believers. They're telling them things like all the men have to be circumcised, um, and you got to cover your head. You got to keep the Sabbath holy. On that would be Friday night, to Saturday night. You know all these rules about eating what you can eat. Can't have a pork sandwich. You know, I mean, right washings, rituals, all this uh, Jewish religion, basically, and Moses' law being kept. And Moses' law being enforced that has to happen. Yeah, Christ is fine, yeah, okay, we'll tolerate him, but you gotta do all this other. And and so there, there he Paul winds up back with the Galatians, and this is what he discovers the church is a mess. Because you got these infiltrators trying to reinforce the law. You follow me? And he says, why are you so foolish? Why did you get what you got by the spirit or by hearing the law? So he's he's writing this because he's mad. He's not mad like, like the madness of King George. I'm saying he's angry. Amen. And righteously so. Righteously indignant that these people are trying to to, you know, ruin his work, basically. And and basically Judaize these Christian believers. Well, he's telling them that none of this, look at verse 12, the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them, live in the law of them and the curse of it. And that's why he finally says in verse 13, Christ has redeemed us, all of us, Jews and Gentiles, from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham, oh boy, some of the Jews didn't like this, might come on the who? The the law keepers? The Levites? The Benjaminites? No. The Gentiles. Now, can you imagine the upset of this? Through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, technically, this is the part I was going to share with you that I told you might be a little shocking. Are you ready? Ask your neighbor, are they ready? You know, you're ready. Your imaginary friend on the pew. Um. Technically, we don't really even have to go around claiming this. It's not a bad thing to claim. Abraham's blessings are mine. I'm redeemed from the curse. The point is, that law nor the curse of it was ever, ever belonged to us. It only belonged to Israel. It was only, the Moses law was not written to the world. It was written to the children of Israel. And you know what the Bible says about it in Romans? The Bible tells us that God was not ever, think about that, he was never, ever satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats. Look at that and say, well, you know, he that's what he wanted, and then he found out people couldn't live that way, so he had to back off and do something else. That is the worst doctrine I've ever heard. And yet, some people have have believed that. If you'll look at Hebrews, uh, let's let's see where we're going to go. Yes, Hebrews ten and six. Well, let's back up. If you don't watch me in Hebrews, I'll back up to verse one and we'll be here all night. Let's back up to verse one. Hebrews 10, one. for the law, having a shadow of good things. To... Now, notice who this was written to. Does it say to the church? Well, now we can glean from it, can't we? And it is the word of God and it is for us. But he didn't write this to us. He wrote it to the Jews. It's, that's why he went into such deep detail. Now, notice notice who the letters addressed to. Hebrews. Do you think that's a clue as to who it might be written to? Just wondering, you know. All right. Hebrews 10.1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, ooh, he's going to criticize the law, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect or complete. It doesn't work, is what he's saying. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should if it worked, have had no more conscious of sins. How about that? You know, these preachers that get up and try to remind you how horrible you used to be and examine yourself. I said, we look like a bunch of monkeys in the, in the primate section of the zoo. Because it's like examine yourself and then examine your neighbor next. And we're picking stuff off of each other. I want to find, you You got to find one scripture that says to examine yourself. You know, I mean, in that way, uh, if we examine ourselves, we should be examining to find Christ. You can see I'm stirred up. Okay, so it says they cannot make the comers perfect. For then would they have not. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, question, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience or consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance or a reminder made again. uh, uh, That was not other tongues. That was tongue-tied. There is a remembrance again made of sins every year. All right. So it's, it's doing the opposite effect of what a person would need and what God intended. Folks, God doesn't want us sin conscious. He wants us righteousness conscious. Amen. Amen. If we're remembering anything, we're remembering the death on the cross and what it meant. Not how bad we were in the summer of 72. Okay. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of... It is not possible. It is not possible. Did I make this up? Who wrote this? Paul, we think. not sure, but we think. Seems like he did. But it's in the word of God. It's in the canon of scripture. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, sacrifice an offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices... For sin thou hast had no pleasure. How much? He's not into the law. He's into grace. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. So do thy will, O God. Above when he said, again, repeat. Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will of God. He taketh away the first, about the old covenant, that he may establish the second. So think about this. For us Gentiles, the only thing we've ever been offered from God it's grace in Jesus Christ. Why do we fret over that law? Well, should the women be covering their heads? You know, it's like the Pentecostal Taliban gets started. You know, why don't they just put burkas over everybody? They say, well, if a man sees, you know, skin, he'll, he's going to lust. I said, "Would well, you think a blind man ever lust? Does a blind man ever think sexual thoughts or something? Or is he completely devoid of it because he's blind? I don't think so. It's ridiculous, isn't it? What a ridiculous thing. So, I mean, you know, it's like the Muslims. if You know, if a woman shows her ankle, well, that's a disgrace. She could lead some poor guy to sin. That's crazy. But that's almost where we got in Pentecost and, and holiness at one point. The women had to wear a thing up to their neck and down to their wrist and down to their ankles and looked like grandma going to get ready to wash the pig or something. I don't know. Ridiculous. Told you I was fired up. My friend sent me this text and it got me going. Amen. Well, we can't earn our way to heaven. I said, we can't earn our way to heaven. We can't merit God's favor. What could we do to impress him? What could we do that's so totally pure an action that it would get his attention? Nothing. We have to just accept his work and say, and how about just a nice thank you? (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Well, what's going to happen? Because he said it, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And he finally said, verse uh, 11, that every priest standeth daily, ministering an offering, oftentimes the same old stuff, the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. What's he saying? It ain't working. Right? But this man, after he had offered the sacrifice for sins forever, who's he talking about? Jesus sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, not, see what he said over and over the same, daily, 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 the the slaughterhouse. But by one offering, one slaughter on the cross, he hath perfected for five minutes forever them that are sanctified. Folks, we're redeemed we're sanctified, we're set apart, it means the same thing. We're righteous, we're justified, which means just as if I'd never. Brother Copeland says so eloquently, grace means God deals with me as if sin was never even ever in the picture. Isn't that a beautiful thought? He does, they used to sing this song back a hundred years ago called, um, remind me, dear Lord. I hate, I hate that song because he's not going to, the only thing he's going to remind you of is who you are in Christ. Remind me of where I used to be and what I used to be and how horrible and weak and pathetic I was. I don't know who you're praying to because God can't even answer that prayer because the Bible says, That he put our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. And that he's put our sins from us as far as from the east to the west. Amen? East to the west. That way. Praise God. Glory. Well, what's he going to do? What did he do in place of this horrible, non-working, can't redeem us system? Verse 16, this, everybody say this. See, it's nice to have a this, isn't it? This will work. This is the covenant. Woo! We got a new one. Isn't it a beautiful thing? Get something new, new, new tie, new, new shirt, new, new car. If you need one or want one, new something, something new is good, isn't it? Especially if what you had wasn't working. You ever had a dishwasher that went out? You ever had a washer and dryer that went out? You ever had something that went out? You had to replace it, right? And the old one, you fixed and fixed until it wouldn't fix. And Gertie gave up the ghost, you know. (laughs) And you had to get a new one. But when you got a new one, oh, that was nice, wasn't it? It was new. It was better. It was improved. The main thing is it worked, for God's sakes. Hallelujah. We need things that work. We need cars that work and washers and dryers and and dishwashers and and air conditioning (laughs) that works. So we've got a covenant with God that works. I can yell in my church if I want to. This is the covenant. This is it. Everybody say this is it. Okay, here it is, that I will make with them after those days, what days? The days of the sacrifice, which would be the day Jesus died on the cross. We're living in Easter time. We're living in resurrection life. i tell you, this is going to be the good news pulpit, or we're going to chop it into firewood. I am not going to get up here and preach condemnation, guilt, and don't you feel sorry about yourself. I'm not preaching that. Sometimes I think we'd have a bigger crowd if I did. Some people like to get beat up. But I can't do it. Because I'm living in this. It's all about this. He said, this is it. This is it. How many remember that song? Kind of a popular song a hundred years ago. This is it. This is it. Whatever. Whatever. This is it. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Which days? The days after the three days. Amen. That Jesus, from the cross to the throne, said the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts. We don't have to get up every morning and read a tablet of the Ten Commandments to make sure we don't go out and steal from our neighbor and rape. And pillage and, and kill. Right? Because God's laws are in our hearts. We know right from wrong. Preach pastor. In their minds, I will write them. They're going to be in our heart and our mind. We're going to be thinking about what God wants us to do. We don't even have to hardly think about it. We just do it if you're struggling with it, it's because something else is in the way. You've got a problem. And their sins and iniquities, will I consider uh, writing off maybe someday once they've proven themselves and they get off of the thin ice and they act better and smell better? No. Their sins and iniquities, will I remember no more? Now, you and I might remember something. Have you ever had one of those nights? I'll just be, can I can make a confession? Oh, God, Pastor, what are you going to tell us? Please don't. (laughs) Have you ever had one of those nights where, you know, you're just, you know, it's horrible to be in that twilight place where you're between sleep and wake and you can't quite sleep and you can't quite wake up. And the devil will talk to you. Is Am I making this up? Has anybody else had this issue? And the devil will start. I've had the devil go through every sin. Yes, I've committed sins. Please don't be discouraged and quit serving God. But I'm telling you, I, your pastor, have sinned (laughs) in my life. And I've done things I regret and I've made mistakes. But let me tell you something. The devil remembers every single one of them. He is keeping track of every lie you told, every curse word you said, or every, you know, off-color thought you may have had, everything you did, whatever. And just, you know, human behavior. And he will bring that up. Well, you know, in 1964, and he starts... Just a litany of mistakes. Am I the only person that's ever experienced that? And you just feel awful. Laying in there and you think, I am really horrible. I'm a horrible person. I'm a terrible, horrible person. And you just think this, and then you remember something beautiful. Christ has redeemed me. <laughs> and in God's book, none of that stuff is written down. It's not in heaven. God's not going to talk to you about it all when you get there. I've heard that sermon, too. You're going to have to give an account of everything, you know. Well, <laughs> what do you say? I used to sort of make fun of that a little bit. So, What do you say? In 1972, you (laughs) stole a pencil off of some kid's desk. I don't know, something. Do you remember? Yes, I do, and I'm really sorry, and I promise it'll never happen again. What are you supposed to say? I mean, come on, do you, you understand how ridiculous this gets? When you really think about it, it's so stupid. It's like they've got Jesus confused with the KGB. Or the Nazis, the what are they called? The Gestapo. You're sitting in a little room, sweating it out, and you know they're pulling your fingernails out, and they got a light bulb over your head. I mean, come on! That's the way it's presented. Does is any, is anybody ever? Can anybody else relate to that? Or is it just me. But if we get in the Word of God, Hallelujah! Glory to His name. We find a different story. And because of verse 17, glory to God, their sins and iniquities will I remember how long? No, more, never again, over. You don't have to worry about arriving in heaven and being on probation. And a trial period. See how you're going to do. That is so bad. Now where remission of sins of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Here we're going to go. See, we don't have to hang around that law and that curse very long. Before we go, well, first of all, that never applied to me. I'm not Jewish. Secondly, even if I was. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So don't let anybody put that stuff on you. In fact, if they start preaching it to you, here's how you counterbalance it very in a very spiritual way: you go, <laughs> "Amen." I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah, if you were me, you would do that because you would understand some revelation here about the finished work of Jesus. That's why we've got that big fat sign up there in the foyer. It says to tell us that it's the greatest thing we can say. It's finished. It's over. It's it's not only finished. It's as finished as it will ever be. It's as finished as it can be. You're this close to tarpon springs, you got reek word on the wall. <laughs> now listen. Having therefore from that, see, see their sins I'll remember no more. Now, where remission of these is there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, not timidity. Not crawling to Jesus, oh God, I hope you don't reject me. No, boldness to enter in. It means you just walk boldly in almost like you should be there. I don't know, Brother David, I just don't feel comfortable with all this. Well, that's because you don't have Revelation to finish work. But if you would get revelation of the finished work, you'd get bolder, and your faith would work better. And your prayers would get answered faster. Instead of all this crawling around. I've been in cathedrals south of the border, and also in Europe, where people literally crawl on their bellies up the aisle to kiss the toes of some marble statue. That's not going bold, boldly into the throne of grace. It's going nowhere. I don't know what that's doing, except for wearing down the marble. It looks very insanitary, if you ask me. I'd want to spray it with Lysol. <clears throat> anyway, I'm not making fun of anybody's thing, but I'm just telling you that you don't have to act like that, and you don't have to act like that in prayer. Well, Lord, there's not much to me. I know I'm a, just a, you know, but I'd appreciate it if you'd answer my prayer. We don't have to pray that stuff. It says, having therefore, a brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest place. That means can't get no holier by the blood of Jesus. I've got the blood. I've got the name. You know, there's something good about having a good last name. Like if your last name is Rockefeller or something, you know, it just opens doors for you. It just does. Whether you like them or not, it doesn't matter. If you live in New York City and your name is Rockefeller and it's the real deal, you're going to be treated differently. And it opens doors for you. But we've got the name of Jesus. We've got a name higher than Rockefeller or some other family name. Amen. Amen. We've got the name of Jesus. And it says that we can go boldly into the holiest place. Well, I don't know if I... I should be maybe in the ante room before the holy... No, you should be in the holy place. We used to sing this song. We lift our hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. And you're not going to be struck dead. I don't know. I going to go to the holy place. I might get... I might just... End up a pile of ashes. See, that's from wrong thinking. Why don't you get saved? You won't have to act like that. Well, I'm trying to be humble. Well, you're not being humble. You're being stupid. That's not humble. That's not humility. You know what real humility is? Humility says, isn't this great? I've got access to the holy of holies. And it's nothing from me. It's Somebody says, well, that's not very fair. Isn't that the beauty of it? It's not fair. Jesus fixed it. Woo! People that are not here are missing out. I preach whether the house is full or not, as you know. I don't care. Just preach to who's here. If one person was here, I'd yell at them. If nobody was here, I'd preach anyway in faith. How's that? Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the the absolute holiest. I don't think we get that. By the blood of Jesus, not by by the effort of our sincere heart, does it say that? No, by our best intention, by our how much we gave to the Red Cross, no, by the blood of Jesus, because that's what makes us holy enough to get there and not get zapped by a new and living way, not the old and dying way. <laughs> the new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his own flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Thank God we've got that. Let us draw near. But let us run away. Let us be careful. You better be careful around God, brother. I was preaching one time in a church of God. Praise the Lord. The church of God is right. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I was preaching in a church of God in Georgia back when I first started preaching back in the eighties, and I was preaching about i said if god if god if God doesn't keep his word, he's a liar like anybody else, that's what I said, you know, which is true. if God doesn't keep his word, he's a liar, and we can't trust him, but he's not a liar, he's not a man that he should lie. Amen. I was trying to make a great point this pre- this guy comes up to me at the, after the service he goes. I'd be very careful if I was you talking like that. He says you can get struck with lightning. I said, May God strike me right now dead with lightning if what I'm saying isn't true. He backed away. He went whoa (laughs) Well they're not used to anybody talking that bold. It's you gotta be real careful around God. He's kind of touchy and he's flinchy. And if you if you if you approach him wrong, he might just Pull out a sword and cut your head off. That sounds like the loving father, doesn't it? Don't. Sounds more like a nut. An alcoholic nut or something, you know. Thank God we know better to act like that. Y'all getting anything out of this? This is Pastor David's, you know, meltdown. Anyway, it says we've got boldness by the blood of Jesus doesn't say of anything about, you know, our giving or our service or anything, only his blood. So it says, what does it to say do this? I'm going to end this here. Let us draw near. Let us run away. Let us be careful. What does it say? Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our our own bodies washed with pure water, it means we're cleansed. And this, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now, what is the profession of our faith? It's a little different than what we understand faith confession in like Mark eleven twenty three, where, you know, whosoever shall say shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things we say it's come to pass. He shall have whatever he say it. That's the type of confession of faith. But here we have the profession of faith. It almost sounds like the same thing. But you got to put it in context with what he's been teaching. What's the profession of faith? That we're redeemed, that we're justified, that we're cleansed and made holy to the same extent that we can go into the holiest place without fear or doubting. Now, I want you to consider that now. Every time you pray, every time you worship, every time you quote the word, see yourself, a little imagination here, maybe close your eyes, and see yourself standing in the royal holy throne room of God at the holiest place. And you're standing there and God receives you. Amen. And the Bible says, and we cry, Abba father. And he says, that's my boy. That's my girl. There's one. Yeah, that's one of mine. Amen. What you got on your mind? Brother Hagan used to say to me, what do you got on your mind besides water? Now that is a really uh, politically incorrect thing to say. But he was born in 1917. That gave him the right to say anything he wanted. Apparently. In that generation. He said, what do you got? to <laughs> It's God's kinda like that. You wanna go in the throne room? What do you got? What do you need? What can I help? How can I help? Well, he already knows, so why bother? Well, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. I've sometimes been sitting around lamenting what I didn't have that I needed. And the Lord would say, from my records, you've never asked me for it. You've never prayed about it. You've never claimed it by faith. And I go, oh, yeah, where's that. So I'm going to correct that right here and now. Amen. And the Lord will let you just talk to him about it. Y'all getting anything out of this? (laughs) Be encouraged, saint of God. Be encouraged. Praise God. You've got so much. By the blood of Jesus, you walk boldly in there. I sure hope this works. Because I don't want to get zapped. God's not the zapper. God is not a giant bug zapper that you're the bug and you walk into it. God is your heavenly father. He loves you. Look at all he's done. If he gave us Jesus, what good thing would he withhold? Praise the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? All right, it's enough preaching. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord tonight for the word, for the truth, for the life, for the light. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. All right, amen. Now listen.